Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. We are glad you are with us today. If you are visiting, we are especially glad that you are with us today. Um, Let me pray for us as we get moving this morning. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the change in weather. We thank you for the end of the dog days we've been through this summer for a touch of rain, God, and cooler temperatures and signs of the change of seasons that remind us of the ever-moving nature of your spirit, Father, of the regularity of change in our life and in our world and the good that it brings. We ask for a fresh outpouring of your spirit like a weather front among us, God, come to us in power today. Speak to us, move us, inspire us, shake us to do your will. In your name we pray, amen. We wrap up today our series we've called Growing Together. If you're visiting with us today or new with us today, for the last four weeks, uh, this is the fifth, we've been looking at the vision of Trinity Baptist Church that's been handed to us along with four promises we make to one another as a church that that this church makes to our greater community and the world. And and the vision that kind of carries us forward, this vision, I'm going to mix my metaphors a a little bit here, Uh, this vision is um, the lens that focuses everything that we do, that before we look at anything in the world or anything that we might do as a church, we put this vision first in that after scripture, after Jesus, after some good history and theology and say, does it help seekers to become believers and believers to become disciples? Everything we do as this church, everything we invest in, every amount of time we spent should be sent, spent in some ways, serving that vision. And and, uh, another way to look at it is that's like the filter through which we pour everything. Remember those days when we all had Brita filters somewhere? When was that? Like late 90s, early 2000s, before all the fridges got those? And you would pour all the water right into that filter, and it filters anything out that, that isn't drinkable. This is our filter through which we pour everything that we do. If it doesn't do this, it should get kind of filtered out of our life and not something we're a part of. And we do that. We accomplish this vision largely by the four promises we make to one another in our world, that we will grow in love. We will grow in Christ's likeness. We will grow in community, or we will grow in friendship, and we will grow in service, which is what we're talking about today. We will grow in service. I'll do a little more at the end about kind of how all of these work together. But let's just talk about service as we get going and look at the life of Jesus and what we learn from Jesus about not just 
projects of service or not just items of service or even days of service, but a life of service that we might live that Jesus exemplifies for us. Now, we could probably include any, or substitute rather, any number of other words like service. Service is a great word. It's kind of an umbrella word, but we might use several others. We could say in, in good kind of Baptist history, we will grow in mission or in missions, depending on how we phrase that, that we will grow maybe in outreach in reaching out to others. Some of us might say we want to grow in evangelism, in good newsing of, of helping others come to know the good news of Jesus. We might say we want to grow in, in witness that by the testimony of our lives, we want to grow that, that more people come to know who Jesus is by the way we live our lives. We might say we want to grow in justice, that we want to see a more just world, that we want to see the justice of God reign here and now. We want to grow in that. I think all of those are part of this answer to service. In other words, service kind of is an umbrella term that encompasses all of those. And all of those both add something and aren't really maybe the fullest picture of our vision together. We want to be all of these things to one another and, and to our world. You know, we need this promise to serve us, to service, excuse me. We need it because we could live out these other three. We could really seek among our church to love one another well and, and to study Jesus and learn Jesus together and, and to grow in community. We could really focus on our relationships. And that could be, every church faces this temptation, that could be a very centripetal thing. Now, I am not a scientist. I had to look this up to make sure I get it right. Many of you know what that means, but centripetal is the force that keeps the circle going around. That's a very imprecise direction, but it doesn't spin its object outward. It, it keeps it in the vortex going round and round and round. And you know, we could as a church do just that. As I said, it's the temptation of every church to pursue Christ just to the point that we serve ourselves. And we could try to increase love here and we could study scripture and, and Jesus together here and we could seek to grow this community, this family of faith here. And, and it would, could very easily just be about us in this room and us down at TriPoint and, and us on the membership rolls and occasionally those that happen to come to us and join our church. That would be to subtly, often unintentionally, twist these promises and make these promises something less than the fullness of the gospel. We need this promise to serve us, to service. I keep getting that wrong. It's not serve us, it's service. That's the whole point of what I'm saying. We need this promise to service to launch us out into the world to change the force of our life together from centripetal serving largely just us, largely those that come with us, to both serve us, yes, this promise to one another, but also to launch us out into our lives where we work and where we play and where there was need in the world. We're called to be centrifugal people that, that spin around a little bit and gain some strength and gain some energy, but ultimately launched out, spun out, 
like those bands of a hurricane spun out to serve others in the world. Service keeps us rounded. Service is this outward thrust of faith that faith requires. And a commitment to service, a commitment to mission and evangelism and witness and justice ensures that our life here in this church, at any church, spins out into the world. We will grow in service. We will grow in all of these things and how we live in the world. Now, I've preached a couple sermons on service, on mission, on the outward thrust of our faith. And I know you have the notes of those categorized and you're referencing them already. And you're saying, Matt, you've talked about this. We have the lesson. But for the new ones among us who may not remember each of those sermons perfectly, let me just recap a couple things we've talked about in our few months together as pastor in church that, that figure into this, maybe the why of service. I don't really think we need a lot of explanation on why we are called to serve. We, we like love, like pursuing Christ, like community. The need to serve and to receive service is somewhat innate within us. I, I think we, we know that. But the first thing we talked about, we talked about this back in, in early March, is the mission of God that uh, what we might call in Latin the missio dei is kind of the, the seminary term thrown down to us. And it just translates as the mission of God. Why do we serve? I mean, at its fundamental level, why do we serve? Because mission, service, outreach, blessing of others is at the heart of the identity of God. This is the missio dei, the mission of God. Creation itself, God is not enhanced by creation. God is not made more by us. Creation is a gift to us so that we might know God, that we might give praise to God uh, throughout God's history with humanity that we see in creation. In scripture, God is coming to people to bless, to reach out, to reveal part of God's self so that we might know God, so that we might know the way to God. God is a missionary God. God is a serving God. This is not just something God does, but it's like love. It's at the very heart of who God is, God's very essence. So on the one hand, why do we serve? Well, we serve because this is who God is. Just like, why do we love? Because this is who God is. Why do we pursue community? Because God exists in community. And if we are called to know Jesus, if we claim to know Jesus, then we should know him in the fullness of who God is. And that is to be known in, in several things, but one of them is service. So why give away of our time? Why give away of our resources? Why spend energy on people that we may not know or on, on, on items of injustice or any number of things that, that feel hopeless at times? Well, because this is the heart of God and God calls us to participate in this and leave the results to him. So we're called to serve. That was one sermon. I bet you wish I could have given that in three minutes then, right? The second is what we talked about all summer in the Holy Spirit. Remember what we talked about on the Holy Spirit throughout the summer? At Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, 
at that moment, the spirit what came and immediately was more powerful than anyone expected and was on the move. The spirit was out the gate, on the move in the life. And it works in surprising ways and often in surprising people. And the Holy Spirit was out in front of those earliest believers, beckoning them to catch up. So we have this missionary God that's on mission to serve creation and calls us to participate in this. And the fullness of this comes through the person of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. And we are given this gift of the Spirit that guides us forward in the way of Jesus. And from the beginning of the coming of that spirit, it is out serving others and drawing God's people out from their community, out from their comfortable places, out from the world and the land from which they are known to reach other people and, and to meet the needs of people far from them, different than them. People they thought were outside the ways of God are now inside the ways of God. So we stack these two things on top of each other and it says something about our life. We serve a God who is on the move to have everyone come to know him. Those that look like us and those that don't. Those who think like us, believe like us, and those that don't. Those who live near us and those who don't. And he calls all of us bastions of Christianity, all of us churches, these outposts that exist all over the place, to be a part of, of this ingathering because God wants to know all people. And even so, he wants all people to know him as the way to life. And we are his instrument for doing this. This is why we serve and it informs how we serve. You know, I think it'd be interesting to hear from you whether this is true of your experience. Most of us who've been following Jesus for, for some time, there's kind of one of two experiences at some point in our life, maybe several points in our life, that kind of helped us turn a corner in our faith. And maybe that's the wrong phrase. Maybe they helped us go deeper in our faith. It made faith real to us and powerful to us in a, a level that it wasn't before. There's two types of experiences. One of those, I think, is we, we might kind of have a category. It was like a camp, like a youth camp, children's camp, uh, or revival type experience or retreat. Those are kind of all the same type. It was a, a special time where you kind of put the, the normal responsibilities of the world aside for a short time, and you heard uh, you were in worship and you were in community, and man, you met with God in that place in that time, and you emerged from that back into your life different. Maybe you knew Christ before, maybe you didn't, but you came back wanting to follow in a new way. That's one. The other is service. Many of us dabble in service, but there was a time maybe in our life or, or a week or a period or, or a season where either we volunteered for a trip, right? Or, or maybe there was just a need that presented itself. We committed ourselves to in a, a new way and, and we spent time on it and, and we spent money on it. We spent energy on it and we poured ourselves into it. And instead of making us less, instead of exhausting us, it energized and we found ourselves transformed and we found ourselves wanting to follow Jesus more closely. And, and that act of service changed us. 
We, we found Jesus in a new way in that. In college, I, I spent a month or a little over uh, one summer in college serving in Boston. And there was a group of us from Texas and a group of college kids, college kids, group of college kids from Kentucky. And we worked with church planners kind of all over the greater Boston area. And for this sort of provincial country mouse, <laughs> it was my first time like away from home. Boston might have well been across the world for as different as it felt for me and, and was just incredibly transforming experience as travel often is when we experience other people and other ways of living. But most of what we did that month was just kind of live our life in certain neighborhoods. And we'd go play in parks and, and meet parents and kids or pick up basketball games. And, and what we, or we'd ride the, the, uh, uh, the subway there, the T, right? That's what it's called in Boston. And we would ride it and visit with people and, and talk about their faith and ask them, you know, what, what's important to them. And we were learning any number of, of outreach skills. But most of what we did is wake up every day and we would go visit a church planner who was trying to start a new church and we would ask them, where do you want us to hang out today and, and meet people and pray for people and consider as the Spirit leads inviting people to be a part of your church? And that was what we did every single day for like 35 days was, was just hang out and meet people with an eye on how's the Spirit of God leading us to minister in this place today. And it was very uncomfortable, and I was very bad at it, and I probably offended any number of people, and I think maybe some people came to know Jesus or connected with the body of faith as well, and it was kind of a bumbling, stumbling effort by a bunch of 20-somethings doing their best. But I remember leaving that trip and coming back home with platinum blonde hair, because this was the early 2000s, and if you had any good experience back then, you dyed your hair platinum blonde for some reason. Bleach blonde, not platinum. My parents were not amused, but I remember thinking, this might be kind of how Jesus lived his life, with a vision, with a purpose. He did lots of things throughout his days and lots of things throughout his years, but there seemed to be that guiding vision to his life that he woke up every day with this vision of, in some way, I want to be used by the Spirit today. In some way, I want to serve others today. In some way, I want my life to be a witness to the kingdom of God and the power of my Father today. And I've never been the same since that experience. It infused college with new possibilities. It infused going home and living with my parents for a month with, with whole new possibilities. It, it changed how I've approached almost every day since then. It, it was transforming. Service can change us. You know, I, I don't have one text today we're taking this from. It's from a lot of places. But I think maybe for those of us seeking to grow in service, seeking to know what this means in our life, we can look at the whole of the life of Jesus. And there's a few things that jump out. You know, Jesus didn't plan mission trips. Jesus was outside of any kind of formal structure. He didn't have a board he was reporting to, and he wasn't having, you know, strategic plans and five-year plans on how to do these things. He just kind of seems to be going about his life with some strategy, yes, with, with some purpose, yes, but also just sort of along the way serving others. 
this life of service, not just acts of service. And it was a life of service. It's fascinating to look at and see what we learn from. And I think maybe there's three things. It's a good Baptist sermon. Three things. I've had a couple of y'all, these for note takers among us that we might apply to our own lives and learn from, from the life of Jesus. First, Jesus habitually looked to the needs of others. I mean, as he went throughout his day, it seemed that his eyes were up and his head was looking around and his heart was open, his soul was open to receiving the needs of others, to noticing what other people might have walked right by or been too busy or been too burdened by their own needs to see and certainly to meet. He habitually looked to the needs of others. And we can see this in any number of things, whether he was teaching or on a journey from one place to another, even while retreating, trying to rest. He, he, we see him noticing the needs of others at any numbers of points and meeting those needs kind of as he go, goes along. It wasn't the main point of what he was doing, but as he was on the way somewhere, as he was doing something else, he notices a need and meets it and finds a way to teach and point others to God sort of along the way. The Samaritan woman at the well might be the best, clearest example of this. He's on his way from south to north, going back home. They go a different route. Maybe it was an intentional route. We don't really know. It's the middle of the day, sends the disciples in for food. He's tired and stays at the well. A woman comes out to, to draw water and he asks her for a drink and uses this as his opportunity. Now he has also supernatural knowledge of her that none of the rest of us had had. But we also know a lot of people, many of us, we wear our needs on our sleeves. Some of them, some of them we conceal quite effectively. But we also know as we pray for people, as we're open to conversations, as we live a life looking toward the needs of others, a few well-placed questions, a few kind, encouraging remarks, an open heart, a receptive attitude that's caring for others, people open up their lives because we thrive, we need community. It's not that hard to spot needs with a few kind words and seek to meet them. He habitually looked to the needs of others. I played high school football and most coaches I had, whatever sport, junior high and high school, they generally had a one or two phrases that they loved using in all circumstances. Any of you, do you remember this? And some of them were good phrases and some of them were bad phrases. And, and, and they generally, if you played a whole season, they would in practice and in two a days and in games, they would have these phrases. They'd bring over and over and over. And then there would be like one point in the season, they would sort of take that phrase out of context and to apply it to life. And it was like trying to be deep, you know, and develop us as young men. And they would use it as a metaphor for everything. But my defensive coordinator, in high school, his phrase was head on a swivel. Anybody know this phrase? Head on a swivel. That as a linebacker, you were there in the middle and that you had to be facing forward and your shoulders square for thing, but your head should be always looking. That there was always a cue and you had to be moving. There was a guard pulling. There was a, a running back scraping. There was a tackle coming to ear hole you. There was always something happened and you should have your head on a swivel. Eyes up, head on the move noticing everything around you. So this is my high school coach moment to lift that and make it a metaphor of meaning for us. It's not a bad metaphor to how to live our life. 
shoulder square, moving forward, moving with intention and purpose in the world, but not so swallowed as we're able in seasons with our own burdens or our own responsibilities or our own busyness or the things I need to do today, but head up, eyes on the move for the needy around us, those who are lonely, those who are hurting, victims of injustice, those who have no community, those who struggle to know love, those who are far from Christ, those in, in need, looking and praying as the Spirit leads, what is our role in meeting these needs? Christ was habitually looking to the needs of others. Second, Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted. This is profound. Think about in the Gospels all the times Jesus was interrupted. And we never really see him getting frustrated at the interruption. But almost every time, using the interruption as a springboard for some sort of ministry, some sort of lesson. I mean, he's teaching and someone brings him someone to heal. They drop him through roofs. They bring him through windows. They run him around lakes to get people to Jesus to heal. He's enjoying a wedding and his mom comes up and says, hey, Jesus, there's no wine. Do something about it. He's walking down the street and a group of kids run up to him or someone reaches out and, and touches his cloak and disrupts his whole day. He's going away to pray and whole crowds follow him and none of them think to bring lunch with them. As we look at his life in the gospels, it is clear that Jesus accepted these interruptions as opportunities to minister, as opportunities to serve, as opportunities, not distractions, opportunities to carry out the vision he had been given. I would say for us, Interruptions in, in our pastoring class I taught in seminary, we would say, boy, you're gonna plan your day, you're gonna have full calendars, and interruptions are gonna come all the time. Always, if you can, be aware that the Holy Spirit is very likely present in the interruptions. That the interruptions as much or sometimes more than your calendar is the work God has for you that day. Interruptions are often opportunities that the Holy Spirit is trying to get our attention, needs that come up that need to be met. These interruptions for Jesus became fertile ground for ministry. People are healed and children welcomed and holy conversations started and the hungry are fed, questions answered, miracles performed, all as a result of Jesus being interrupted. Interruptions may be our work. Pay attention, friends with those eyes up and heads on a swivel as your days are interrupted this week by your kids, by the phone call, by a coworker, by something that breaks, something that throws you off your game. There may be an invitation from God for you in that interruption. It may be a holy interruption that sends you to meet needs, to be the presence of Christ, an opportunity to grow in love, grow in Christ-likeness, or to grow in community. Third, Jesus lived with a guiding vision and mission for his life. This is more overarching, but you get the feeling that nothing Jesus did was accidental, that nowhere Jesus went, nothing that he did was just kind of to go and do it or to blow off steam. There was a guiding mission to his life. He was the Messiah, the son of God. He was there in all that he did to point others to God, to reveal God to them. We are not 
Jesus, but we do need an overarching vision to our life. We need a lens through which to view the world. We need a filter through which to pour our our days and and our purpose and our time and our resources and our purpose in this life. Does our life mean something? We need an answer to that. We need a vision that gives us daily answers to that as we face any number of situations in the world. Everything Jesus did served his mission. He stopped what he was doing often to explain to the disciples how this all connected to his vision. At times he did things that didn't make sense. He, he healed people and then he told them, don't tell anybody because my time has not yet come. He knew it wasn't yet time for the fullness of that to be revealed. So he wanted to meet needs, but he also needed them to kind of put a lid on it for a little bit. He did everything in service to this vision of who he was and what he was trying to do in the world. TBC's vision and promises can serve our life as a church. They do serve our life as a church. They can also serve our life as in our everyday life. How does your life at work adhere to this mission of helping seekers become believers, believers become disciples? And how are you carrying out the promises to grow in love and Christ-likeness and community and service in your home and among your family and your closest friends? You know, it's helped me these past weeks as I understand more about who our church is and what our future is and where we're heading to think about this vision and promises more. It helps me as I structure my day What do I need to do today? What do I not need to do today? What what am I gonna spend my energy on this week? What do I need to let go? What is someone else's to do? What I have found is that as I seek to be faithful to one promise, say Christ-likeness or community, as I pursue that promise, these other promises all work themselves in. They don't separate out so easily. It's hard to pursue Christ truly and not grow in love. It's hard to seek to serve others and and not grow in love and community and even Christ-likeness. All, often four of them come together. I think as we seek to grow in service, seek to live this life of service, you will find uh, in your life, in the life of our church, we will see those who are far from God coming near to God. I think we will see love working itself in our midst in any number of ways. I had another mission experience, service opportunity after college, between college and seminary, and and spent over a month in in St. Petersburg, Russia, working with uh, orphans there. And it was an interesting experience. We worked in a hospital, number 40, in St. Petersburg. And it was the place where they literally had like a drop-off slot for unwanted children and babies. And so babies were just dropped there in the middle of the night, or the middle of the day, with no paperwork, no background, no anything. And, and there was one baby there who was, well, he was about three They gave him the name Danya because they didn't know his name. He had been found in an apartment, abandoned for no telling how long, and he he did not speak and he didn't react to anyone. And I had the privilege of spending about five straight days 
just with Danya. That was the assignment I was given. And he flinched at touch. And he cringed at love. He was completely nonverbal, non-responsive to virtually any stimulation that we could provide. And it was my, and, and some others as well, but I kind of had Danya. And, and we did what we could to, <laughs> to play and, and to entice him. He was, of course, not potty trained or anything else. So we, we did all of those things and helped feed him, though he wouldn't let you feed him. He would go into a corner and eat by himself. And on the fifth day, we knew we were leaving. And none of us knew how we were supposed to leave. <laughs> how do you leave that and go home? And in that last afternoon, I don't even remember what I did, but I did something for Danya. And he very quietly looked and said, Spasiva, which is thank you in Russian. That was service. <laughs> But Danya was meeting my needs far more than I felt I was meeting his. In that, there was love and there was Christ-likeness and there was community formed. That's how this works. We, we pursue Christ. We live in obedience to Christ. We do very small things faithfully and well as God leads us. And, and God takes those and magnifies them in different ways that, that leave us changed. Yes, we pray the Holy Spirit does something through our meager efforts and multiplies them in the world. And that the kingdom of God moves on in ways seen and unseen through generations upon generations. We are not here to change the world through our service. It may happen, but we're here to be faithful to what God has called us to be and allow the results to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I'm excited to watch us grow together in love, in community, and in, in seeking Christ's likeness and service together. I'm excited to see what the Holy Spirit can and will do through our meager efforts in the decades ahead. Let me pray for us. God, we admit we don't exactly know sometimes how to be more loving or grow in service. Our temptation is just to do more, try harder, add things to the calendar, but we know somehow these promises are deeper than that, more than that. Help us to pursue you, Jesus, to know you in the fullness of your death and resurrection, to keep our eyes firmly focused on you in our days, in our waking and in our sleeping. And know that most things in life tend to work themselves out if we're pursuing you. Most growth in love and these other promises and service happen as we focus and pursue you. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. 
For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.